This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXL AM and FM, streamed live over the internet, archived at nhtalkradio.com for your binge listening pleasure and brought to you by the Birches of Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, and other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. And I'm joined by Chris Ryan, the ever-present, peripatetic, gingham-check-wearing Chris Ryan. How are you today, Chris? Gingham-what? Gingham-check-wearing. That's your shirt. Oh. It's a gingham-check. I like it. Oh, it's a really good-looking shirt. Yeah, Yeah. it's a much better shirt than you usually wear, because usually usually your fashion sense is a little bit on the... uh, uh, shall we say the Boston Red Sox uh, Patriots kind of sports guy kind of sense, but you look like a a yuppie executive. I mean, you really look good. Thank you. Wait a second. We have a call coming in. H- hello. Uh, hello. This is uh, Mr. President. Uh, how nice. Uh, I recognize your voice. Um, it's a bad impression, but I do recognize you. Thank you very much, Paul and Chris. It's so nice to be with you. Although Don, I, I usually it's been a while. T- I usually don't talk to fake media like Chris Ryan, fake <laughs> media. But but I have to tell you that yeah. it's been a bad week in it crazy town. Doesn't get town. more fake media I than mean, this. I mean the White House, not crazy town. The White House. Yeah. It's been a bad week. Let me tell you why. I I, I, I I was out all over the country, and they love me. They're cheering for me. My poll numbers are through the roof, through the roof, through the roof, through the roof, very strongly poll numbers. But, but I had a very bad thing happen this week. Do you want to know what it is, Chris Ryan? Sure. I ordered my usual order of four buckets of Kentucky Fried Chicken and three Happy Meals. <laughs> well, and Mr. President, I'm not laughing at you. Yeah. I'm, I'm laughing with Sometimes you. Sometimes only a Happy Meal can make you happy. Only the Happy Meal could make me happy this week. But, what toy did you get? But, but unfortunately, I didn't get my, my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. I got nuggets. I do not like nuggets. Those are fake chicken. Those are fake, <laughs> fake chicken. Yeah, what part of the chicken like, does the nugget I come like from, the Don? Bone in Kentucky Fried yeah. Chicken. It was a very, very bad week. Oh, wait a second. I've got a call coming in. Wait, I'll just take this call. Hello, 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 hello. Who's on the Hello, Comrade Donald. Donald Rumbulginski is your friend, Vladimir. Oh, 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 Pudi, I recognize your voice. So nice of you to call. Uh, Donald, I just wanted to be calling you uh, because I could not help but listening into your telephone conversation <laughs> with Chris Ryan, as you know. We have, we have bugs everywhere. What's up, baby? Bugs everywhere, including on your telephone. But don't worry, I deny, deny, deny. But I just wanted to say I'm so, so sorry for your Kentucky Fried Chicken disaster this week. I am thinking of sending you fried chicken from my personal Dasha here in Moscow. Oh, Pudi, you're so nice to me. I don't know why. Let's get the White House taste tester over here, though, first. Kellyanne, Kellyanne. Why Kellyanne. Why you're so nice. Maybe I'll send you some ambassadors to prosecute. You can put them in your gulag. Would that, would that be a good payment back 
for 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 Russian fried chicken. That would be just wonderful. Oh, don't worry, Donald Trumpelginski. I have everything I need from you. I need nothing, nothing, nothing. You are doing such a great job. Forget the fake media. Forget the New York Times. Forget their anonymous op-ed. I would have a, 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 an advice for you. This is a very important advice for you for dealing with Stavsky. Your staff is a problem, okay? You got problem. I know this problem, but we know how to take care of this problem in Russia. We... <laughs> We round them up. Uh, it is actually pretty funny. We round them up. No blindfolds. No brown paper bags. We line them up against the wall and da 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 They're gone. It's easy. You then hire Nostevsky and you have no more problems. Oh, oh, Putty, I'm I'm weeping with pleasure. Okay, it's good, Donald. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Click. Oh, that was my friend. That was my... Oh, I'm now talking in a Russian accent. <laughs> okay, folks, it was a bad week in crazy town. And, and it's got me in stitches, but that's only because Chris Ryan insists on laughing hysterically every time I do this. But, but look, I mean, that's an imagined conversation. Let me, sure, let that me, wasn't a real one. Let me give yeah. you this disclaimer. That conversation did not take place between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. As far as we know. As far as we right. know. But it might have been. But, you know, given what's going on in the White House, that may be the president's only way out. So who do you think who do you think the leaker? I was hoping you could keep Don on the phone there because I wanted to ask him some oh, questions. Oh, well he's back. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Ask me your questions. So, I'll answer you fake media. I'll be very strong. I'll be so very who do you strong. think it is? Who do you think it is, Don? I, I first of all, it's nobody. It's it's made up. Oh, so New York, it's just the, the New York Times made it up. They wrote it. They they stole it from Bob Woodward's book. Bob Woodward stole it from Amorosa. Amorosa stole it from Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos stole it from Bannon. Bannon stole it from Manafort. Everybody steals everything. It's all fake. None of it's real. Why are all these people out to get you? They're out to get me because I have a tan. I have a beautiful wife. I'm rich. I'm famous. I'm the most famous person in the world. My polls tell me I am very, very strongly the most famous person in the world, and they're jealous. They're jealous of me. All right, enough, enough of Don. Okay, enough of Don. Enough of Don. Who is it? I think it's John Kelly. I think it's John Kelly, chief of staff, because when you read through this anonymous <laughs> op-ed in the New York Times, there are things that somehow seem somewhat consistent with what John Kelly told Bob Woodward. And now it's going to be really hard for anybody to say Woodward's book is made up. But really, here's the sad thing. We've got a consistent picture of a chaotic, crazy town in the White House. And now everybody seems to know it, including the staff. And who knows, is this, is this a soft coup? Is this a, a pooch? Is this some kind of new way in America that we take over the government from inside, quietly, anonymously, part of the resistance, like keeping Donald Trump plied with Kentucky Fried Chicken in order to divert his attention from the crazy stuff he's liable to do? I have no idea um, what you're talking about or what's going on. So here's here's what here's what I think. Um, I don't know 
if it's Kelly, um, my inclination would be be Kelly and Conway. Um, the one thing that's inconsistent with uh, Kelly and Conway is the stuff about McCain. Um, she didn't have, it would appear, a great relationship with McCain. Maybe uh, it's Mattis. It could be. It could be Mattis. I mean, that's the thing is you could go on for a while. The first person who jumped in my mind was Ivanka. Um, and, uh, I kind of discounted that afterwards. Oh, but. man, now, now you're really going low. When they go high, Chris Ryan goes low. It's Ivanka. <laughs> that's the first person, that's the first person uh, I thought of. It was Ivanka ghostwritten by Madison Kelly. Ghostwritten by, uh, Michelle Obama. Oh, ghostwritten by Michelle. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, you know, really, to do a real service for the country and to stand up and perhaps instill some backbone That's in the That's why I don't think it's Kelly. I don't think, colleagues. I don't think they Kelly... Ought, they I, ought to go public. I don't think Kelly would do that. I really... Given his, given his military background and the decorum and so forth... I can't see Kelly writing in... That's why Kelly and Conway jumps out, because she has, she's, she's been leaking stuff to the media for a long period of time um, and has those relationships... And it seems like something you know, she would think of. Ma- Maybe it's Madison Sarah Kelly. Huckabee Sanders. It could be her. I mean, it could be any of it's them. It's too well written for Sarah Huckabee Sanders, <laughs> and it's probably too well written for Kellyanne Conway. I mean, it's written by somebody who actually knows the English language, or at least is edited by the editors at the New York Times, making it appear that they know how to speak the English language. So that could be Mattis. It could be Kelly. But it clearly is somebody who had some affinity and identification, affinity for and identification with John McCain. So it clearly, to me, is somebody, um, well, you know, it's hard to say, is it a military, is it a military person? It's, it's just, it's hard to say who it is. I assume, but do not know, that the New York Times vetted the position of its source before printing this and would not have printed this if it had come from somebody in the lower levels. No, this is from a this is from a senior official or a cabinet secretary. I don't think there's any question regards to so that. So what do you think the impact is? What is the I don't, let's, that's let's just look the, that's if, what doesn't make a lot of sense is because if you're a part of this resistance movement that is keeping the government uh afloat safe. and safe, which I think keeping Kelly the country safe from inside the White House. And I, Ladies and gentlemen, here we are on day two hundred and thirty six of Crazy Town. But don't worry, you're in good hands here at the White House because we're quietly taking away documents from the president. We're delivering him his Kentucky Fried Chicken to divert his attention. Oh, look, Donald, over there, Mr. President, look, there are some Victoria's Secret models on television. Let's go watch. And um, so I think that, that Mattis and Kelly have been essentially running the this operation for a, a period of time. Um, no, you're talking about a military coup and things of that nature. I don't think it's that in depth. I think they just see that um, there is an individual who has been elected president who is uh, deeply um, dangerous uh, in his mindset, and that um, they have to steer the ship. I don't think that there's anything nefarious about it. I, you know, here I want to give myself a pat on the back, and I'll, I'll in this way, I have said outrageous things about the carrot top cantaloupe currently occupying the White House. I've called him unhinged, deranged, defective, demented. I've called him corrupt. I've called him ignorant. I I, I mean, I've said the worst possible things I could think of about him. And 
It apparently is all true. So I want to give myself a pat on the back for knowing what and you're was still going an official on in the Trump, inside. And you're the still White an official House in the Trump administration. Maybe it was there. you. That's right. Maybe it was Paul Hodes from the National Council on the Arts, <laughs> a high government official with access to the president, reporting, reporting <laughs> that he and his colleagues on the National Council on the Arts don't think much of the president. To me, one of the great signs of. Um, Though the incompetence of this White House is the fact that you are still on the National well, Council for the I, Arts. I have to tell you, I'm coming to. I, I think I'm coming to the end of my <laughs> rope at the National Council on the Arts. <laughs> I I was appointed in 2012. I filled out somebody's term. My term was actually up um, uh, about two years ago. Um, but nobody got around to appointing me. But I think I am the first member of the National Council on the Arts to be replaced by the Trump administration. Uh, I'm going to be replaced by an eminent uh, interior designer, a fashion icon named, I think his name is Charlton Haney. He's 81 years old. He probably did all the interior decoration for uh, Trump's apartment, yeah. uh, the White House and Mar-a-Lago. Um, and Saddam's mansion. And Saddam's mansion. That would have come in, uh, that would entail him coming in with a large bucket of gold paint and saying, it's all very nice, but it all needs to be painted gold. So <laughs> we're going to make it all gold. Toilet seat, gold. Chest of drawers, gold. Walls, gold. Bed, gold. Everything will be made gold. Anyway, the gold-plated Charlton Haney will at some point, when when confirmed gold finger, he's the man, he will be replacing me on the National Council on the Arts uh, soon. I think I'm coming up to my last meeting. And folks, it's been a great honor to serve uh, the nation um, through... Uh, Two different administrations on the National Council on the Arts. I have burnished my bipartisan credentials, and I am a, currently still a high official in the Donald Trump administration. So perhaps when the anonymous op-ed writer says, I work for the president, but like-minded colleagues and I have vowed to thwart parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations, perhaps that anonymous op-ed writer was referring to me. If he was, he would have been correct. Because I'd love to Why thwart... Why do we all think it's a he? I'd love to thwart the parts of That's his a, agenda. The he or the she. Yeah. Let me not be politically incorrect. The whoever. Yeah. The whoever it is inside Crazy Town. Can you imagine going to work there uh, on a daily basis with the volcanic... Particularly right now. The volcanic eruptions. The, the, I mean, the president is throwing Kentucky Fried Chicken right. at the walls. See, that's the I thing. Mean, like, what, how does this make this? Who's going to any... clean up the walls? Splat goes the drumstick. Splat goes the chicken breast. Splat the French fries. The Coke thrown all over. I mean, the guy is unhinged and off his rocker. So that's why I don't think it was Kelly again. Is that um, from a strategic standpoint, and you think that things are you know, are bad, but you guys are keeping things afloat if you're Kelly and Mattis. What is the point of doing this? What is what is going to be gained by putting this out in the New York Times? Legacy. Legacy, baby. So you Legacy. can say that I was, when I the was history, ahead of this? When the history of Crazy Town is written yeah. or uncovered, when Donald Trump and the Donald Juniors and Eric are wearing orange jumpsuits, somebody, the anonymous writer, will be able to say, 
I blew the whistle. Yeah, but you can you can still be the person who's you know blowing the whistle and talking to other people. Uh, you could be you could they you all they all obviously deep, said things they said things to throat. they said things to Woodward. That's right. And then they denied the things they said to Woodward. I denied, denied, denied. Well, that is because Vladimir Putinsky, Putin, has told them you deny everything. So they followed advice from Donald from uh, Vladimir. Deny, deny, deny. Kelly and Conway. Speaker's circuit with her husband. Her husband's been calling out uh, Trump left and right throughout the course of this. Ooh, that's the big. That's the big. Maybe. That's the big legacy I, thing. I, I like Kelly. She, and I like she, that play. She put Kelly. Kelly and Conway had a lot to do with getting Donald Trump elected. She was the campaign manager. She feels some remorse about what has taken place. The thing is that a she has not really had nice things to say about John McCain in the past. So, may, but maybe in McCain's death. Let's change things. I think that happens for a lot of people. Um, so I, I don't know, but that's my that's my bet. Uh, I don't. I I do not think okay. it was Kelly. So now put dark on, horse Ivanka. Put on your sports hat. Your sports. Now I want your sports betting hat. Okay. Yeah. What are the chances? What are the odds of anonymous op-ed writer going full rogue public? Because things have gotten so bad that they feel they've got to save the country. And they say, we're going to do something to put some backbone into the Republican Congress people who are rolling over backwards to lick the boots of Donald Trump and stand up for their country. We're finally going to give them enough ground so that it's inescapable that they have to stand up as patriots and help save their country from this demented, deranged, unhinged, unfit carrot top cantaloupe i think that they have thought all this through and as you mentioned the problem is the republican congress and um they there's two things that have to happen in order for donald trump to remove from office one uh the Mueller investigation has to indicate what we believe it's going to indicate in regards to um criminality in the past with finances no collusion no collusion also no collusion an obstruction of justice piece and um the fact that there was collusion that existed between Russia no and uh, and the United States, um, whether it's the, the public version of what we have heard and seen so far, or if there's a more a deeper um, uh, version, which uh, Robert Mueller has indicated. The second piece is the midterm elections. And there's still a belief amongst Republicans that they are better with Donald Trump than against uh, Donald Trump. It's a fear thing. It's a, um, you know, him being kind of their only hope staying alive because the Republican Party is based on Trumpism to a large degree at this point in terms of ideology. Um, so those two things have to change. Uh, and I think that the writers or whoever's in the White House and they see this on a day-in, day-out basis and they know that this is not good and it is bad for our country and they're keep trying to keep things afloat, um, they know the political side of things and the public side of things is not where they are. Well, it's true that Probably 35% of the American people will never abandon Donald Trump. That, 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 that much we know. They'll chalk this all up to fake news, and they'll just keep on going. There's another 30% that doesn't care, and then there's another 35% that uh, is firmly anti-Trump. And this that's where we is <laughs> Off the Record with Paul Hodes. I was joined by the cynical Chris Ryan. He and the gingham check plaid shirt, but spewing cynical rhetoric about the American electorate. I believe that the American electorate is awake, alive, and is going to do the right thing in the midterm elections, electing Democrats who very well might have the goods to start 
the proceedings against Donald Trump after the midterms. We can only hope. It's Paul Hodes off the record on WKXLAM and FM streamed live over the internet archived for your binge listening pleasure at nhtalkradio.com brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 224-9111. Don't go away, folks. We'll be back to talk with Miriam Carter of the New Hampshire League of Craftsmen after this. Do the rap. Welcome back to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXL AM and FM, streamed live over the internet, archived at nhtalkradio.com for your binge listening pleasure and brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 224-9111. Well, I'm very pleased to welcome a very special guest, Miriam Carter of the New Hampshire League of Craftsmen. Miriam, welcome to Off the Record. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Now, I promise that I am not going to talk to you about politics, religion, uh, sex or violence. We are just going to cover, we're going to cover family-friendly, family-friendly topics. First of all, tell us a little bit about you. How did you come to be the executive director of the New Hampshire League of Craftsmen. It's fairly recent. Where did you come from? I actually have been in New Hampshire all of my life, um, and I am a, a juried member of the league, and I've been a professional juried craftsman for the past 30-plus years prior to this um, opportunity to be the executive director of the league. I was actually sitting on the board of the league representing the membership as a chair of the juried members advisory board and uh, we had a situation where our executive director had resigned and we needed one put in place quickly. It was January. We had the fair looming in August and I raised my hand and said how about if I become the interim um, and much to their credit they took that leap of faith and hired me and then five months into the job the membership some some of the members actually made the request that I become the formal permanent executive director of the league and so here I am wow that you know what's really great is um, a story of promotion from within is is really really uh, it, it's a wonderful thing but it's also I think especially important when it comes to the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen, which is a storied organization. I mean, New Hampshire is truly blessed to have the League and to have the history of craftsmanship that the League embodies, promotes, supports, and, and continues. I mean, it's been, it's an extraordinary, it's an extraordinary organization, and I'm not sure that uh, all our listeners and everybody in New Hampshire really appreciate just how deep our uh, tradition of crafts go in New Hampshire. I'm so thankful to you for having that knowledge and for being willing to share it with your listeners. We are actually in our 86th year. We just celebrated our 85th annual Craftsman's Fair at That's Mount Sunapee Resort. Exactly, and as I am. And um, I am only the second professional craftsman who has led the organization. And I have to say I'm, I hold that in high regard. 
regard. I think it's uh, credit to them that they hired from within, but also from within the trade. Um, I know the business. I know the lives of craftsmen and women. Um, and when I say craftsmen, it's a universal term. I often get asked why is it that, but it's, it has no sex, male or female, related to it. It's just a working term. Okay, so I lied. We did talk about sex. Miriam <laughs> did, and I didn't even ask her. You set me up, Paul. So um, what's wonderful about the league is that we are known nationally as a really important organization in the craft movement. We were actually the first outdoor crafts fair in the country, um, and we started up in the North Country and have a wonderful, rich history. But within the state of New Hampshire, many people don't know we exist, even though we do one of the largest events, nine days at Mount Sunday Resort in the middle of August, doing this beautiful, special event called the Annual Craftsman's Fair. And then we have eight galleries throughout the state. And most importantly, we have over 700 members who are supporters of our league as juried members, and then we have uh, quite a large number of supporting members who help us operate. You know, it's really extraordinary. I mean, in, in terms of travel, tourism, the economy, I mean, we, the, everybody's economy is a creative economy these days. I mean, we, we, live, in a creative, we live in a creative economy where, where the intersection of art and learning and art and business is absolutely a must um, in order to attract and keep uh, good people who want to work, in order to attract new businesses here, the environment that we create for a creative economy, uh, and the way we showcase our arts and our crafts is critical, uh, especially in a small in a small state like New Hampshire. But, I mean, I've been a, uh, a patron of the New Hampshire League for, for many, many years. Um, we have a store right here on Main Street in Concord. Um, I visited the stores probably in every every store that there is I I have visited and um, the standards for the crafts the level of craftsmanship the incredible work that you can see in every single piece that you you pick up uh, or touch um, at a league store really it raises the bar for art and uh, in the state in general, it really is the the League of Craftsmen as a jury as a jury league. Um, really, ra- it raises the bar. It it means that as a state, our expectations for our arts and crafts are of the highest professional order. We are nationally recognized as having some of the finest standards in the craft industry. Uh, I'm very proud of that. So when a member says um, that they have achieved a juried member status, that is really saying something. And other organizations throughout the country have mirrored our process. We have a very extensive process process to have someone join us. It's not just write a check and I become a member, which it is with many organizations. But we give artists the opportunity to bring their work to a, a critique or to a jury session and have it reviewed by the jury of their peers. So if you're person who makes clay, you come and meet other potters who are established professionals in that craft media category. And they talk to you about their work. They ask you about their your inspiration, what your skill sets are, what your knowledge base is for that particular uh, craft. Um, most importantly, they want to see what we call the spirit of the maker. We want to see... A, 
the part that sets that work aside from other people's work, that you can say that, oh, that's a hat made by Miriam Carter. You know, she makes felt. I know her work. Is that what you do? And that's what I did and still do. Um, but we, we want people to have a voice so it all looks unique. And it's amazing. People who support the League and who buy the work of our craftsmen build relationships with these craftsmen and can identify their work throughout the country at their ha- friends' houses. Oh, I, I know that artist. Yeah. It's really amazing. Well, I mean, we are, we're, in many ways, we're in a golden age um, of crafts and of making things. For, I mean, for example, uh, I'm, I'm a guitarist, and I love guitars and I love uh, instruments. I think that guitars are extraordinary, both works of art, but they're also craft. Absolutely. Um, the, the make, what goes into making an instrument, the individuality of how each one sounds different, uh, the woods that go in or whatever the materials are that go in. And I can tell you that from my experience, we're in a golden age of guitar making. There has been just an extraordinary boom, including a number of makers here in New Hampshire, an extraordinary boom in uh, individual boutique uh, guitar making. It's a craft. I'm not sure uh, to what I can ascribe the growth um, and the boom uh, in that particular craft. Maybe it's more information over the internet, maybe it's general growth of population, but I mean, as we live in a more and more uh, computerized um, uh, artificial intelligence mechanized society, I think people really crave handmade, special, unique um, things. Because as humans, we're makers of stuff. You know, we um, chimpanzees use very crude Im- <laughs> I- implements. If you've seen the movie Good All, you know that a chimpanzee can take a long stick and stick it in a hole and eat the ants. But they don't make guitars or beautiful felt hats or uh, fabulous furniture or pottery. Um, it's only humans who seem to have this capability to take the natural environment and materials and craft beautiful things, uh, beautiful and useful things. Why is there that kind of boom generally in crafts? And if so, do you think I'm on base, off base? Am I, am I, uh, am I being coherent about why this is happening? Um, I appreciate that that is really happening in the world of music and the guitars. And we, by the way, do have some members who are creating guitars and have become juried members. Um, the league, actually, and generally the career, the um, arena of craft it goes through cycles. And right now we're re- building back up. We've always been strong in New Hampshire because people know us. And by the way, at the Sunapee Fair this year, Mount Sunapee Resort, we had over 42 uh uh, excuse me, states represented at the fair, people coming from afar to see the fair. We're that well recognized. Um, but in the 80s and 90s, craft was at its heyday. And then this whole internet thing has really changed things, which has been interesting for makers of craft and organizations to how to respond to a time and age where basically digitally, digitally you can find anything in this country. Um, I think we're strong. I think we're thriving. I think we have a new opportunity to educate people of all ages, especially young people, about what the 
importance of making things, handmade things, to culture. Because all of our cultures are defined by the makers of things or by the music or by the poetry. It's the cultural arts that really matter to civilization. So we're thriving. Um, I think we need to do more to engage the public. And one of the reasons we're producing a new event on Main Street in Concord is to take the league to the street. Everyone knows us in our galleries, and they know us through the event at Mount Sunapee Resort. But we're actually going to have an event here on September 28th through 30th right in front of league headquarters called the Capital Arts Fest. And it's an event that is going to bring big, large, white tents filled with beautiful craft and their makers, as well as music and food um, to this environment on Main Street, which is brand new and exciting. This is a cultural mecca now, Concord. Who would have ever thought that living in the state of New Hampshire? Um, And we want to introduce new people. We want to have relationships with places like NHIA to talk to young people. At the Craftsman's Fair, we have a whole tent of pottery makers with students from NHIA who taught people how to throw a pot. So I think we're in a good place. I just think we can always be better. Um, And curiously enough, the handmade piece and the human aspect of this, we as marketers of craft are always learning. What I learned this year was that people who were really successful at the craft fair this year had sent handwritten invitations to their followers saying, I'll be in this booth for nine days at Mount Sunapee Resort, please come see me. And those people who had written handwritten letters versus emails had great followings. I think we are craving for that human connection, not only in letters and handwriting letters, but also more importantly in handmade work. It's so fascinating to think about the ways in which um, the world of crafts has to adjust to the digital age. I mean, we're, we're now at a place where people are talking about 3D printing as the way to go. You're going to be able to 3D print almost anything you want, but there's no way you're going to be able to 3D print a Miriam Carter extraordinarily colorful, beautiful felt hat. Right. It, it's just not going, going to happen. No. Uh, but, but the whole sense of the digital age and the attachment and attraction of our screens, which are have become in the past 10 years ubiquitous because let's all remember the smartphone <laughs> is 10 years old, folks. Okay, 10 years earlier, we, we did have flip phones and we did have Blackberries, but the smartphone, which is integrated um, uh, entertainment information, um, uh, encyclopedic knowledge, uh, communication, um, uh, the the Buck Rogers world is really only 10 years old, and clearly the, cra- uh, the world of crafts has to adjust. We're talking with Miriam Carter, the executive director of the New Hampshire League of Craftsmen, here on Off the Record with Paul Hodes, WKXL AM and FM, streamed live over the Internet, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour and celebrate life with the Birches, call 224-9111. Don't go away. We'll be back after a few brief messages with Miriam Carter of the New Hampshire League of Craftsmen. We're back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXL and FM, streamed live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com, where we're also archived. You can find our past shows and binge listen to your heart's content. 
We're brought to you by the Birches in Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour and celebrate life at the Birches by calling 224 9111. We're talking with Miriam Carter of the New Hampshire League of Craftsmen. Miriam, welcome back. Thank you, Paul. So, we've been talking about the challenges of crafts in the digital age. I mean, the challenges faced by the crafts to adapt to the digital age are shared by many, many industries and many artists who have to learn to live with and use uh, digital media uh, to their advantage rather than being uh, swept away or swept under or bowled over or run over uh, by it. As um, It's made doubly difficult, I think, by the fact that we are analog beings caught in a digital age. Mm. Um, and as humans, you know, I mean, it's taken us uh, quite a few millions of years to uh, evolve to whatever state we're in. I, sometimes it's a, I, I guess it's a semi-civilized state. We'll put that aside. But um, <laughs> 10 years of smartphones is certainly not enough time to completely evolve. Um, you know, pretty soon, who knows, we'll just have uh, iPhones embedded in our heads and we can touch touch our temples and, and uh, dial up whatever we want to dial up. But but the, I'm glad to hear the world of crafts is is thriving. What what was the original impetus for forming the league 86 years ago? It's really fascinating. It was um, actually on a statewide level. It was brought forward as an idea to um, consider the home arts industry, um, people who made soap, who, people who made food, also makers of other crafts, you know, that we use and enjoy living with, um, as a viable entity for people to have a living and to support their homes and their livelihood in the state of New Hampshire. The state really got involved with it and funded things and supported, and we've always had a great partnership with the state of New Hampshire. Hampshire. Um, the, the league itself has a, has a rich history, but it needs to be have a bigger presence. And I think in this digital age, we have the opportunity to do so to let people know who we are instead of being a well-kept secret. Talk, talk to me a little bit about the, the way you partner with the state, because when, when, when you diplomatically said the state uh, supported you, my, my, my eyebrows went up. You may not have seen them, but they went up <laughs> uh, because the state of New Hampshire is um, you know, notoriously frugal about its support for uh, various really important um, uh, efforts that attract people to the state of New Hampshire. I sometimes think the state's a little short-sighted in not completely understanding uh, what brings people in, what keeps people here, um, and where an investment by the state can reap uh, benefits. Uh, that's certainly true in the world of the arts where we are way down, way down on the list of per capita uh, funding for our arts. Um, the investment is paltry in comparison to the many, many millions of dollars of economic benefit derived. And I'm curious about uh, the way the state supported at the beginning and uh, how you work with the state these days. And do, does the state, does, does the state ent entity as a state really recognize the true benefit that the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen and all the crafts bring to New Hampshire? So I'm going to preface my comments by saying that I remain apolitical in this position because it's what I need to do. Yeah, and, and, and by so the way, this isn't this isn't a political question no. because because my comments about the frugality of the state and and what the state doesn't invest in 
uh, is completely bipartisan. I've seen it uh, ever since I've been here uh, for years and years. I've spent most of my life in New Hampshire. I've seen it from Democrats. I've seen it from Republicans. I've seen it from independents. Uh, you know, it's a question of of the state's view of what appropriate economic development is in some ways. And I just haven't seen, uh, seen a consciousness of the kind that I think is warranted for, the, for crafts work and the arts uh, from the state, both Democrats and Republicans. And I've had heard lip service from everybody. I've heard <laughs> lip service from, from, from Democrats who are friends of mine, from Republicans who are friends of mine, from, from Democrats who I don't know and Republicans I don't know. I've heard lots of lip service. But uh, in general, as a nonpartisan way, why doesn't government get it? Or do they get it when it comes to the crafts? So I don't think they get it. I don't think they have gotten it for a long time. But I think they're beginning to in the state of New Hampshire. And I think in a large part it's because the creative economy is being spoken of as something that we really need to pay attention to versus just use as a statement that sounds good in our press releases. The creative economy is what will dr drive a city or a state um, to thrive versus to fail. And I think the state of New Hampshire as a whole, its residents and its government, has not understood the wealth of cultural richness that we have here. I think as individuals we know what we have, but I don't think we've really been valuing that. We do benefit from a program called the Joint um, promotional program called JPP. It's through the state of travel and tourism. And it comes from the um, food taxes and hotel taxes. So it's not a, a, it doesn't affect anyone's personal taxes, but it comes off of people spending money in the state. And there's a fund that's created, and then grants are basically given um, to people who um, appeal for them. They're matching grants. So the organizations, all nonprofits, can ask for assistance on events, and then um, they will hopefully. Uh, grant them, and you have to match the amount of spent money spent in dollars regarding marketing, whether it's radio, television, um, print. So that's very helpful to nonprofits, especially. <clears throat> Currently, uh, Governor Sununu is a big advocate of the creative economy. He certainly understands, as does his two commissioners, because they they cut a, they changed dread, and they brought in Taylor Caswell, Commissioner Caswell, as well as Commissioner Sarah Stewart, to um, oversee how do we attract people, businesses to the state of New Hampshire. And I think that's going to hopefully have a great effect. But I'm the biggest champion in my organization for telling the state we need you to recognize us. I greatly appreciate that we benefit from the Travel and Tourism Bureau promoting us. But like many travel and tourism bureaus around the country, they don't talk about the arts. They talk about the physical beauty of our state. So the White Mountains gets a lot of attention and the ski areas gets a lot of attention, but also surfing does, which is surprising because we only have, what, 11 miles of beaches? 18, 18 miles 18 of coast, coast, yeah. coast, But evidently line. we do well, but those aren't actually big revenue drivers. Those, right. you know, yeah. skiing, yes, but the other two not so much. So our point, and many of us are getting together collectively to talk to the, the uh the state on a statewide level and to give them the metrics, give them the numbers. So creative people tend to be anecdotal in their storytelling. Story they talk about their experience and their feelings. What the state needs is numbers. And so now we're driving those numbers forward so they have actual data to work with so they can make decisions on that. And in fairness, I think it's an onus on both parties to come up with a solution of how do we recognize this cultural um, gift that we give our state and we can give the visitors and the people who live here. So um, before we close, I want to just reiterate um, uh, and talk a little bit about the upcoming uh, fair um, in Concord. 
Um, how'd the idea start? What's it going to be? Where's it going to be? What do people have to do? Who's going to be there? What's, what's happening? Let's talk a little bit about it. Okay. It's a free event. People love free events. And it's basically an opportunity to welcome uh, the community to South Main Street, where we reside at 49 South Main Street in the Smile Building. We have a beautiful gallery there, an exhibit gallery, as well as our permanent collection. Many people don't know that we're there. We have a great, um, great store here in the uh, center of town right in the Phoenix Hall building, the League of New Hampshire Crafts and Store, but the gallery and headquarters is down south a bit. So the mayor of so, the city... By, by the way, it's across from the Capitol Center thank for you. the Arts. It is. So, so it's a great So the neighborhood, venue. folks, the neighborhood is hopping for it arts hopping. and crafts. Yeah, it's really going to be well known in the city as the place that cool things are happening. Okay, people. There's beer. Food, <laughs> beer, music, and beautiful things in South Main Street in Concord. And the date is? September 28th through 30th. Miriam, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. We've been talking with Miriam Carter of the New Hampshire League of Craftsmen here on Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com, where you can binge listen to your heart's content. Join our dozens of listeners who listen to Off the Record. Welcome back to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXL AM and FM, streamed live over the internet, archived at nhtalkradio.com, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 224-9111. Well, in this sparkling edition of Off the Record, we had telephone interviews with both the Carrot Top Cantaloupe number 45, Donald Trump in in, in fake voice. Warming up in the bullpen, Warming number 46, bullpen. Mike and Pence. we had Vladimir Putinsky, Pudi, and Donald Vladimir comforted Donald about the bad week because Donald's Kentucky Fried Chicken order got mixed up with chicken nuggets. Do you think it could have been Pence who was it the anonymous? It could have been anybody. No. It could have been if anybody. You, if, you, if you've ever seen knew, Mike Pence look at Donald Trump, you know the, that it couldn't have been him. The anonymous New no York way. Times no editorial way. writer, let's play the game. Who is it? 20 questions. And we had a great talk with Miriam Carter the, from the New Hampshire League of Craftsmen about, among other things, their upcoming street fair in Concord coming soon to a South Main Street location near you. This is Off the Record with Paul Hodes. Thanks to our great sponsor, the Birches at Concord. Thanks to you all for listening. You can binge listen at nhtalkradio.com. We'll be back next week with more Off the Record with Paul Hodes. See you then.